right, welcome to another episode of the Dunscaps American History. This is chapter 22. Sitting across from me. Chen! <laughs> Sorry, what was your name? My name is Tren. Tren? <laughs> you know, C-H-A-N, Tren. Tren, okay. Well, uh, I'm Rob, just plain old Rob. Chris Chris asked me to fit in for him, Tren. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> Tren. <laughs> Chapter 22 is called The Rise to World Power. Section 1, Expanding Horizons. Why did the United States extend its influence to other regions in the late 1800s? Uh, for all the other reasons that we expand. To, like, get more resources. Oh, mm-hmm. the... I don't know. Uh, we really like tacos, and people in New York want more tacos, so we're going to create a taco trade with Mexico. Right, yeah. Like, shit like that. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, isn't that... I mean, what else would it be? Extend its, extend its influence to other regions in the late 1800s. Like, I don't know, in order to create a relationship with another country, don't you kind of have to, like... It's like a give and take, right? So it's like America is yeah. like, we can provide... We can... We have the contractors to build great railroads. Exactly, yeah. We can teach you how to build trains, Japan. Yeah, like Teddy Roosevelt goes over to France and he fucking, you know, he shakes the prime minister or whatever the fuck they have, shakes his hand, hands him a fucking hot dog steak. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then the dude from fucking France hands him like some uh, baguettes or whatever. A pan au chocolat. Per- a beret, and then he puts on the beret and the French guy's holding the fucking hot dog steak and they take a picture. And then, and then Roosevelt ziplines back to America. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> this dead horse behind him. Um, Section two, imperialism in the Pacific. Why did the United States expand its role in the Pacific? Because they realized. Well, because there's, isn't there like a ton of islands in the Pacific? So. Oh, yeah. They're, you know. It's like all about controlling the seas, I'm ports. guessing. Yeah, yeah shit all like ports that. Ports and shit. Keep our eye on the fucking dirty Japanese. <laughs> hey, cool out, Grad. <laughs> oh, I forgot you converted, Trent. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, section three Spanish American War. How did the Spanish American War help the United States become a world power? be shit all over spain and <laughs> france and england were probably really stoked yeah <laughs> thanks guys i don't remember anything about the spanish-american war do you nope not really was there we went to war with spain yeah it was probably like if i had to guess it was like all naval battles right i don't remember sending troops to spain and fucking spain's up their countryside. got spain's got some balls trying to fight us yeah. i'd say like, they've been around longer, but, dude, pound for pound. Some cojones. How big, how fast America was built and put mm-hmm. together and how big we are. I don't know, man. You got some fuck, yeah, you got some huevos to try to come over here and fight us. Yeah, I mean, help the United States become a world power. We fucked them up. and Everyone, Everyone was like, was like we should probably shit. respect them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> here um, they come. Section four, Latin American policies. How did the beliefs of the U.S. president shape Latin American foreign policies? <laughs> well, if we just went to war with Spain, does that mean that we were just like, we don't like you guys? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I 
I don't know. <laughs> How did the beliefs... Are we talking about, like, Brazil and Argentina and shit like that? I don't, I don't even know. Right. Who knows? Yeah. It's probably just... We either loved them or we hated them. And then, right. <laughs> you know? It's like prison rules. It's like, well, you know? we don't like you, but you make... I don't know what Spain makes. Don't they have olives? They make olives and olive oil. We like your olive oil. Sure. Yeah. Like one of those things. But we don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, should we do some critical thinking? Yeah, I really like I really like this picture on this chapter twenty two, the rise to the world power. Mm-hmm. This little quote here is pretty funny. So it's this so for people listening, it's this picture of like it's it, I'm assuming Asia, and it's like all these boats, this big port, and a train. And then it says here, uh, when American Commodore Matthew Perry arrived, Matthew Perry, I love yeah. him, yeah. Uh, arrived in Tokyo in 1853 to 1854, he presented the Japanese with a miniature steam locomotive. What the fuck am I gonna do with this, asshole? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had like sushi on an Asian naked Asian chick <laughs> yeah. spread out for him. Right. Oh, we really... Oh, this is real great, guy. What, am I yeah. supposed to ride around in this thing, you frock? Oh, oh, the sushi? No, that's not for you. That's for someone else. Yeah. <laughs> we bought you hot dogs. Get him a hat. <laughs> uh, all right, critical thinking. Oh, I wish I knew what Pan-American Union was, because this is a Washington question that we could bring back. Number four. Right. Well, I mean, you don't even have to know. Like, George Washington would be against it. He was all about America not being part what of foreign policy. What the fuck is Japanese? Yeah. <laughs> of course I'm not into Pan-America. I don't know what Japanese is. I don't even know what Canada is. I thought I said to be neutral. What the fuck did I say? What did I say? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but come on, guy, just try some sushi. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've never even had a steak before. Yeah. And you want me to eat raw fish? This is a disgrace. <laughs> I like turkey. Where the fuck is Ben? <laughs> Where's the gravy? Who brought me back to life to ask me this stupid-ass question? Yeah. <laughs> What political party are you with, guy? None! <laughs> I'm with me, myself, and I. The American Party. The American Party. Of gravy. What the fuck is Iowa? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back to sleep. I'm going back to sleep. Goodbye. <laughs> I thought this Only wake me up if you have some surveying to do. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm going back into the woods. This is what you called me for... We were in the middle of a really great game of Mahjong. <laughs> you made me leave the Mahjong game to come out here for this? Oh, shit, what is that? What is that thing with smoke coming out of it? Yeah, it's a train, fracky. <laughs> what the fuck are you? <laughs> My name's Tran. You're so little. You're so yellow. <laughs> You're so little. Yellow, and your eyes are weird. Yeah. What's wrong with your eyes? <laughs> Send this man to a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like this one. Uh, you were William H. Seward, and you have just read a newspaper article criticizing your purchase of Alaska. Write a letter to the paper defending your purchase. 
Pirates. Well, first of all, did you did you happen to take a look at how big fucking Alaska is? <laughs> I just like doubled the entire fucking country with one purchase. Sure, no one's gonna go up there, but it's nice. When you guys are done dumping a bunch of shit into the oceans, you know it's still gonna be around Alaska, because right. nobody's up there <laughs> except me and my fucking Eskimo friends, and you're not invited. So in in conclusion, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm going to Alaska to watch the fucking whales and uh, maybe uh, kill a bald eagle or two because there's so fucking many of them up here, <laughs> unlike in the U.S., even though it's our national bird. <laughs> Billy Seward out. <laughs> P.S. Getting a blowjob from a sea lion. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> P.P.S. It's dark here for a certain part of the year for 16 hours. You've never slept better in your life. <laughs> but have fun with your fucking rat race. <laughs> and all your fucking immigrants. <laughs> I'm going to Alaska. Right. Don't write back. <laughs> Even if you did. <laughs> There's no mail system no up mail here. system up here, so. You'd have to go through Canada and who knows what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. It is crazy, like, I just flipped over and you see, you know, you always forget how big fucking Alaska is. It's I fucking always, huge. It's like the size of half of America. Yeah. And I also always forget how close it is to no, I like. I, I remember Russia. seeing something like you could fit, like, 30 of the U.S. states inside Alaska if you, like, took the smallest ones. Oh, really? Yeah, like, at least 30, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. It's huge. And then, like, look here, like, these islands mm-hmm. that, like, come out off of Alaska. I mean, dude, that's so close to Russia. Even this one, it's fucking nuts. Are there like boats or something that go from like back and forth between that part of Alaska and Russia? What do you mean? Like, are there boats that go between there? Probably. That's nuts, man. We own so many little weird islands. Wow. That's fucking nuts. Jarvis Island. Kingman Reef. Midday Islands. That's fucking nuts. Guam. We own the Philippines. Philippine Islands. Did you know that? Um, I mean, I didn't. Do we still own them? I don't know. I knew Guam. That's fucking nuts. Anyway. Uh, section two. <laughs> Write a speech that Theodore Roosevelt might have delivered to San Francisco Board of Education to convince it to reverse the decision of sending Asian students to different schools. How are, how are our kids going to learn how to do origami? <laughs> I think it's important to do origami. Yeah. Origami is like nature. And if all, the, if all the little girls and boys know how to make origami birds, then we don't have to use real birds for all of our hides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I want my kids to know how to make sushi and how to put on all that weird white makeup and with those little circle red cheeks that they do. How do you properly steam rice? (laughs) I can't figure it out. How do they get the rice all sticky-like? It's dirt cheap, but I can't make it. (laughs) If they don't go to school together, we're going to have a serious gang problem. Yeah. If we kick them out of here, then there's going to be the triads. I don't like triads. Yeah. I don't want Uzis around here. 
keep the Uzis in the forest where they belong. Wild. Wild. <laughs> like a natural Uzi. Preserved. <laughs> <laughs> we need to preserve these Asians like we preserve the trees. Pour fertilizer on them and help them grow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like this question. How did planters and missionaries become powerful in Hawaii? All the priests opened pineapple farms. Don. (laughs) (laughs) How did newspapers contribute to America's declaration of war against Spain in 1898? Extra, extra, read all about it. Spain says tapas are better than appetizers. (laughs) They said what? fuck do these Spaniards think they are? Extra, extra, read all about it. Spanish say that the yellow rice will take over white rice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> extra, extra, read all about it. Spain says hot dogs are dumb. <laughs> Not the hot dog. Extra, extra, read all about it. Spain says the castanets are cooler than harmonicas. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like every fucking headline. <laughs> <laughs> extra, extra, read all about it. Spain says that they should shove castanets up Roosevelt's fucking stupid ass. <laughs> <laughs> they really say that? <laughs> God damn it, we're going to war. Um, I think I, what, for some reason... I kind of remember something about the Spanish-American War and it involving, like, the newspapers false, falsely reporting stuff that had happened overseas mm-hmm. to, like, get Americans charged up to, like, do – to, like, fight or back the fight. Right. But in actuality, like, some of that stuff didn't actually happen. It was, like, exaggerated type of thing. Which, again, has happened before, happens now, and will always happen forever. Spain gets a copy of the New York Times. They're like, what the fuck? We extra, love hot extra, dogs. Read all about it. Yeah. <laughs> we would never say that about hot dogs. Yeah. I love hot dogs. There's enough room in this world for both tapas and appetizers. <laughs> what if we make a tapas appetizer? Yeah. Why did President Roosevelt believe the United States would assert its military power in Latin America? Have you ever seen their forests? They're like jungles. Yeah. <laughs> they got these other types of forests. And I want to preserve them. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to preserve those forests. American soldiers, mound up, because we are going down there and we are preserving some jungles. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot the people, not the animals. <laughs> I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of Roosevelt in this chapter, which I'm excited for. Yeah. Um, I like this one. What event prevented an outbreak of war between the U.S. and Mexico in 1917? What event prevented an outbreak of war? A dance-off. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like a huge... It was like Taco Tuesday, man. <laughs> we, can't, we can't start a war. It's Taco Tuesday. It's like a like a dueling banjos. It was like a mariachi band versus like Right. 
Everyone was having such a good time, they forgot why they were mad in the first place. Right. <laughs> Banjos and conquistador guitars sound great together. Yeah. Who knew? Alejandro, pass the beans. <laughs> What out? What outbreak? Tex Max. <laughs> in 1970. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was around the time Tex Max became a thing. Right. Um, you are follower follower Francisco Pancho Villa. Write a paragraph explaining why you support him. Ponch. <laughs> Fucking love that guy. Hey, Ponchy. <laughs> He's got the best sombreros, the coolest bolos, and his fucking. His shoes are made of alligator. <laughs> and that is why I support him. He also made Taco Tuesday a real thing. He puts gel in his hair. Yeah. He looks so suave. He is the coolest. <laughs> he keeps me dry when it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. This this sounds like a good chapter. Hope so. Seems seems like it'd be good. Some war, some fighting, we're doing some Asia stuff, some Mexican stuff, some Panama Canal. People are going to be dying of mosquitoes, I bet you. Finally. Oh, God. Love me some spreadable diseases. Yeah, so let's go uh, Yeah. read Chapter 22. We'll be right back. Let's do it. And welcome back. Um, I really enjoyed this chapter. Yeah. Did you? It was okay. Oh, I'm on the wrong chapter right now, by the way. I think. Well, that's part of the problem, Rob. I think part of the. I think part of the shtick now is too that I. I'm starting to like these chapters, and you just really don't like these chapters. I liked when. I liked when things were simpler. You know. A simpler time. Yeah. Things got. Things seem simple you and know, fun what in this happened chapter. To the, the cow hands jerking off beavers, Chris. That's what I miss. <laughs> well, now you're mixing up the two. Oh. You said a cow hand jerking off a beaver? Oh, yeah. It was the mountain men, right? That's right. But I got that wrong on the test. Laying in my waterbed surrounded <laughs> with my beavers. <laughs> <laughs> Who were known to jerk off beavers? Is it A, mountain men? B, cow hands? C, Teddy Roosevelt? <laughs> Or D, all the above. We should write our own test. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah, so... What was, the dude's, what was the dude's name that ran against Lincoln? The Little Giant? The Little Giant's favorite food was... <laughs> a, cheese. It would be, it would be like, it'd be like B. cheese, bread. <laughs> B, bread. C, bread bowls. D, <laughs> both B and C. All of the above, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, so Rise to World Power, Section 1, Expanding Horizons. Yep. Um, I like the how it opened up with, the in his farewell address, George Washington warned Americans to steer clear of permanent alliances with any portion of the foreign world. And you didn't listen to me, did you? <laughs> you didn't. No, you didn't. Why the fuck would you listen to me? I'm only the first president. And now look at you. Mosquitoes, diseases. Look what it got you. Nothing. Wars. Who cares about some stupid little islands? <laughs> Canals? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Waste of my time. What did I do this for? 
I should have never made Fort Necessity. <laughs> like, he's just, like, George Washington's just, like, pacing around, like, president in heaven and just, like, frustrated, like, ugh. God damn <laughs> Franklin's like, Ben, you need to relax. I mean, George, you need to relax. What are we... <laughs> Who the fuck is this Roosevelt guy? He sounds like a pansy. He doesn't look like any cowboy I know. Mostly because I don't even know what a cowboy is. George, you need to relax. What did the doctor say? What did the heaven doctor say about your blood sugar? Uh, he told me to stop watching... <laughs> current America <laughs> that I should read a book spend more time with Martha hang out with Martha <laughs> told me I should uh, take up gardening with Madison <laughs> <laughs> they're in like they're in like president heaven and like he's like in charge of the gardening club yeah that's a way to keep, that's a way to keep George Washington's blood blood pressure down he's got a, this doctor's like look I could give you a bunch of medication okay or you could just do some natural things. Go plant a garden. Do some yoga. You gotta relax, George. Fine. <laughs> Hunting. <laughs> James. <laughs> He's just like walking down the street because I don't have phones. James. <laughs> James. What? The yes. doctor says. <laughs> the doctor says. Ugh, fuck, I don't want to do this. The doctor says. We'll, we'll let it out, you big galoot. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Listen to me. Don't talk. <laughs> All right. Don't talk. <laughs> the doctor says to lower my blood pressure, I have to, I have to start a garden. And I wanted to ask I you. I have a garden. Shut the fuck. Shut your mouth. I'm going to plant you into the ground. Oh, George. The <laughs> Always, always trying to plant me in the ground, <laughs> you big galoot. What do I look like, a potato? <laughs> Bring those big biceps over to my garden. All right, fine. But here's the deal. We listen to my music while we garden. They cut to them gardening. It's just like... Yeah, and, and, and Washington's got like a pick, like a huge pick, and he's just tearing up the garden. His only job is to break big rocks into yeah. smaller rocks. Cut to like six months later, it's just like, you know, this gardening thing really works out. I break a lot of rocks. And it works great for me, too, because I have gravel for all my projects and rocks his, to build beds. His garden is just like a <laughs> plot of rocks. Yeah. <laughs> My rock garden is coming together nicely. <laughs> I've gotten into rock gardening. Yeah. That's why I listen to Pantera and smash rocks. <laughs> then Madison just plants flowers around them. <laughs> I painted a smiley face on one for Ben. He loved it. <laughs> Uses as a paperweight. I asked him if he wanted to use my rocks to make a kite, and he said, no, thank you. I don't understand why he wouldn't want me. Want the rocks. <laughs> You make, you make your dumb kites out of cloth. They're so weak and can break easily. But if you made it out of rocks, what about rock it would cards? never break. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 
That's so while all this is going on, mm-hmm. that's going on upstairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just so you guys know. Yep. So definitely. So now let's backtrack back to current. Well, not current, but like the book's current. There's a lot of levels going on, guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> um. So yeah. <clears throat> Basically, the reason they bring this up is because this whole idea of, like, staying out of foreign affairs was went on for, like, a hundred years. And then people, like, with everything started, like, interpreting his words, how they, whatever. Everyone interprets everything differently. So you have these... Twisting my words! (laughs) There is no cryptic messages inside of my words. They are literally what they say. (laughs) So cut it out. And stop Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, everything. Wait, he was the lawyer, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stop doing that. Yeah. So isolationism is basically this idea of like the non involvement in world yeah. affairs, yeah. Which is what I was talking about. Screw the world. <laughs> we have America. Put the middle finger up to the world, baby. <laughs> when in doubt. Go survey. <laughs> when I'm nervous, I go survey. <laughs> um, then other Americans had this idea of expansionism, which is basically the opposite. And it, but the thing is, is that this time, Americans, the white cancer that we are, there was no more frontier left nope, for us. Nope, had to go elsewhere. So now it's like, well... We've dominated this land. Mm-hmm. We better dominate globally. Yeah, we had a, a surplus of American flags that need to be put onto other lands. Because we're pimping all over the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. Damn right we were. Yeah, so in 1853, um, Commodore Matthew Perry traveled to Japan. Isn't he in France? Yeah. I was trying to think like what his thing is. Like... Uh, they always like Which one's Matthew like, Perry again? Could you be anymore? Like, isn't that his thing? He's Chandler on Friends. That's right. Yeah, he's got. I can't Can really I, imitate him. Just could so you like be any more American or something <laughs> like that? Some stupid shit. I hated Friends. Yeah, I like this line though. He steamed into Tokyo. Yeah, I love that too. <laughs> with four warships and asked the Japanese to open their ports to U.S. ships. Um, and he was like, I'll be back in a couple months. You guys mull it over, <laughs> do whatever the fuck you guys do. Cause we've, I've never been here. Yeah. Um, and I when he returned in 1854, uh, they Japanese signed the treaty of Kanagawa and they opened two ports to American ships. Yeah. I would have loved to see that like go down. Like, you know, Matthew Perry's there. He's just like, says that to him and he's just hey, like, y'all. and then just like drops the mic and walks away. He's like, yep. I'll be back. Yeah. And he doesn't even, like, fully leave. He probably just went out, like, just onto the horizon so they can see him just sitting there waiting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's looking out of his little binocular, like, his little telescope thing, and he's looking at him. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm freaking out over there. <laughs> yeah. Pretty soon, this place is going to be ours. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Freaking out. <laughs> Things are going great. Yeah, and he goes in there, too, with, like, a real jolly attitude. He's like, hey, y'all. Just want to open up the idea of maybe trading. Because if you don't, it might get bad for you. Yeah. So come back in four months and let it mull it over. Maybe you want to open up some ports for oh, us. Don't you want to uh, hang out see what we got over here? Nope. 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 I'll be back. Just sign these papers that I've already nope. printed up. Nope. Don't care. 
Just watch your ports. <laughs> I'll be back. Yeah. Watch it. I'll enjoy your shit in America where, you know, we've got nice things. Yeah. Then he just gets on a steamboat and just kicks off the dock. <laughs> Fire it up, boys. See you later. Yeah. I'll be right over there. <laughs> yeah. Watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this this whole time period, the late 1800s and the early 1900s, was called the Age of, Age imperialism. of imperialism. Yeah. It's not so epic. Yes, let your hatred fuel you. Let the dark side take you over <laughs> and become a member of the imperialistic force. <laughs> Together, you and, and me, this greasy old man, will rule the, the entire planetary system of the Alliance. If you want to be the most imperialistic leader of them all, first you must kiss my weird throat. <laughs> A thousand turkey chins. A the throat of a thousand goblets. <laughs> Kiss it. Kiss it. <laughs> and you will forever rule. With your tongue. Well, at first you'll just get the Panama Canal. <laughs> but then you will rule everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> um... <laughs> The industrial nations. Oh, yeah. So what what drove imperialism was the search for materials and markets. You know, it's all about making money. Right. Um, These countries are basically like businesses at this point. Yeah. So after the Civil War, some Americans wanted the nation to build an empire. Just kind of weird. Just like, <laughs> like you just. We just fought each other. <laughs> we total warred the shit out of the South. Right. We have no idea what to do with African Americans. Right. Let's go dominate the world. Right. <laughs> Uh, so by annexing new lands they argued the United States would join the ranks of the world's great powers and their country could take its rightful place at the center of power this is uh, the whole time I read this chapter it just felt like it almost felt like we're rereading Manifest Destiny you know what I mean it's just Mm -hmm. got different words and it's international now pretty much it's basically what it is where they say it just seems like they were like we just won a war we're amazing but that war was against ourselves. Right. <laughs> like, you know? Um, so Secretary of State William H. Seward, um, appointed by Abraham Lincoln, supported this view. He pictured an American empire dominating the Caribbean, Central America, and the Pacific. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who... The Transcontinental Railroad, right? Did he have any hand in that? He was just oh, saying oh, that oh. that was part of it. <laughs> like everything be linked and yeah. connected, mm-hmm. right? Um, but in 1867, Seward went closer to his vision um, when he bought Alaska from Russia for $7.2 million. So crazy. And I loved it. Like, okay, so it was a great bargain for a territory twice the size of Texas. When you look at the map, there's like a, an entire map of the U.S. on one of the pages going forward. But it's yeah, fucking Alaska's gigantic. Huge. Yeah. But most of the U.S., the public, ridiculed his actions. <laughs> yeah, this is great. And they called it Seward's Icebox. Was it a polar bear garden? Yeah, polar bear garden. <laughs> hey, sweet penguin farm, you fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna go up there and jerk off some seals? Yeah. Oh, oh, cool seal brothel you just bought, you fucking retards. <laughs> yeah, so... Well, but why would I ever go up there? Why well, would I ever go up there? Well, because then a huge amount of gold was discovered there in the 1890s. Oh, there's gold? Yeah. Right, never mind. Okay, no, I'm going to go. Like, 
the sewer guy's pretty cool. Hey, look at this cool, uh, this cool gold heaven you just bought. Cool, way to go. I like whale watching. <laughs> I like whale cum. I'll go up. I'm like really into whale watching now. <laughs> it's fucking cool. You look at him, you respect them from a distance. Just like a day ago, he was shitting on it. Yeah. <laughs> He's buying books and shit. Yeah. Um, da, 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 da. Some Americans had another reason for favoring imperialism. They believed they could lift up the world's uncivilized people Ugh. by sharing Christianity and Western civilization. Yep. Um, this dude, Josiah Strong, um, Proposed an imperialism of righteousness. He thought Americans should bring their religion and culture to Africa, Asia, and Latin America. That's all, all this stuff bothers me. Yeah. And so during this time, the U.S. also had uh, a large a flourishing trade with Latin America. And taking advantage of the Monroe Doctrine, American merchants wanted to further extend U.S. economic influence in the region. Um, can you remind <coughs> me what the Monroe Doctrine is? I forgot to look it up. I think it has something to do with, um, like, it had something to do with Latin, with uh, South America where we would go in there to, like, if th- if there was a way that we could go in there and do stuff with them that would advance the U.S., then we would do it, you know? Okay. I'll look it up. Um, keep, keep doing, keep doing so then this dude, James G. Blaine, um, was the Secretary of State in 1889. He invited Latin American leaders to attend the Pan-American Conference in Washington. The conference led to the Pan-American Union, which promoted cooperation among member nations. And then also during this time, the U.S. Navy shifted from sails to steam power and from wood to steel hulls. And by the early 1900s, the United States had the naval power needed to support its expanded role in foreign affairs. I liked up, I, I liked up top this guy, Captain Alfred Thayer, mm-hmm. president of the Naval War College. Mm-hmm. Do they have, like, other colleges like that? Like Army War College? No, just Naval War College. (laughs) That's the only one. Where's Monroe Doctrine? I guess we'll never know. Yeah, (laughs) because later on, but then later on it says, there's the Monroe Doctrine, then there's that thing that Roosevelt does that I forget what what it's called. And that one was like, um, you can go into other countries if you think that your interests are going to be tampered with right so i think the monroe doctrine is like you can go into countries to to better it but not necessarily to like defend i don't know okay the monroe Monroe doctrine was a u.s foreign policy regarding european countries in 1823 it stated that further efforts by european nations to colonize land or interfere with states in north or south america would be viewed as acts of aggression requiring u.s intervention so basically anytime europe is doing anything that they think is like colonizing in North or South America, Mm -hmm. we can intervene. But then we use that as leverage to get ourselves in there. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. So now I get it. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So section two, imperialism in the Pacific, Hawaii. Hawaii. (laughs) The Hawaiian islands, a chain of eight large and about 100 smaller islands were about 2,000 miles west of California. Uh, the Hawaiian people in the 1800s lived in independent communities, each, each with its own chieftain. Um, and because they had good ports, the villages of Honolulu and Luhaina grew in importance. Trade continued to flourish. 
Americans and European ships also brought infectious diseases to the islands. Hell yeah. These diseases <laughs> devastated the island population just as they once devastated Native Americans. I just imagine like this just keep this cycle of disease keeps coming up and they're just like going there. First time they trade some stuff, they're like, all right, we'll be back in a month. And come back a month later, they're just like, you don't look too good, guy. <laughs> Here, man, what, what drink some of this oil. <laughs> I mean, medicine. <laughs> he just, like, sneezes on his face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, excuse me there, buddy. Looking real sick. What happened to your partner? Looking pretty gross there, guy. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> my, my best friend and part business partner is dead. You're standing on him. He's, <laughs> like, dead. He's right there. It's like, oh, I thought this was weird. <laughs> You're eating him. thought it was some Hawaiian custom. <laughs> Oh, you mean these are human ribs? Gross. Still good. <laughs> Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Right? All you can eat? That's a big thing in America. <laughs> Don't worry. You'll know someday. Here, have a hot dog stick. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the big thing with Hawaii, um, besides trading, is that a lot of missionaries went there. Yeah. Um, in 1820, Christian missionaries from the United States arrived in Hawaii. They established schools, created a written Hawaiian alphabet. Like, they did that, like, for them. You know? Right. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Um, well, it's like an ignorant... <clears throat> they think that they're helping, but it's just, like, right. pure ignorance. Um, right. Basically, all that happens is the cane sugar gets really popular, and right. American, like, farmers and shit start moving out there and are, like, making all this cane sugar... <clears throat> And so the only Americans there are basically missionaries and sugar growers, like, for the most part, other than, like, guys on ships coming in and out of port. Mm-hmm. And at first there was no tariff, no right. tax on the sugar that was being grown Right. There. It was told it wasn't going to happen. But then eventually, of course, it's going to fucking happen. Right. And, and then yeah. facing ruin, the sugar planters plot a way to avoid the new tariff. Uh, they argued that because the United States already had a naval base at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii could be made a territory of the United States. Right, and then they like, would hey, have to pay tariffs. Okay, we could just tariffs. make this U.S. Right. Yeah. We got now, Pearl Harbor. I wrote this. This popped into my head. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we're looking back on history, so the people in the moment aren't going to know this is going on, but I felt like you could do this thing where it's like, knowing, like, steps in knowing when you're being taken over. Right. Like, step one. Are Christian missionaries moving into your area, (laughs) trying to teach you their religion and how to read? Right. Like, step two, does America like the things you have? (laughs) Are people being really nice to you? (laughs) Are there new technology and buildings starting up in small sections of where you're living? (laughs) You know, like, like the step by step of just being like imperial, like taken over. Right. Right. Yeah. Are they, it's just like the same shit. Are foreigners helping you and you don't know why? <laughs> are you being helped when you don't need help? <laughs> right, yeah. It's just like, it's like the same story. It's like the same steps every right, yeah. California, right. United, like all of it, United States, everything. Mm-hmm. That's like how it starts. <laughs> are you getting Bibles in the mail every week? Are you suddenly feeling sick? Maybe not feeling so hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is everyone around you dying of disease? <laughs> you might have a white person problem. Then you may have a white person problem. Call Rob and Chris at 1-800-FIGHT-BACK. Yeah. 
1-800-STAY-FREE. <laughs> Are you being told that you should move and live in this segregated area? <laughs> Call Robin Chris. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll draw a cartoon about it. <laughs> they'll save you with their crazy cartoons. <laughs> uh, I don't uh, have anything about this planner's revolt. Do you have anything that you took away from that? I just thought it was funny how, like, you know, this woman in 1891, this queen, Lilu yeah. Kalani. Yeah, Lilu Kalani. She's, you know, in charge of Hawaii. Just like, she's in the throne. They yeah, and before her was a king. And I was wondering if it's like, is it like in... But then it just says down UK here... UK where it's all bloodlines or... Oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It just... <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter, Rob. <laughs> Moving on. That's not... It doesn't affect my point. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Don't get hung up on these things, bro. It's not important. Oh, man. <laughs> but the... but the It's just like when, when it happened in... In, like when Texas was Mexico and like mm-hmm. all the Americans moved in and then there was like a Mexican government. And then when the Mexican government was like, you have to do X, Y, and Z. And they're just like, no, <laughs> yeah, now right. we're doing it this way. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's like the same thing. All these sugar farmers, this queen is like in power and they're just like, no, we're you, this isn't happening. No, we're, we're done here. Yeah. Like I got big farms and a lot of money and probably right. a bunch of guns and you don't have any. So yeah. this is not going down. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, what was there a revolt? I forget if there was a revolt. Yeah. In response, the white planners overthrew Lili Hulana. Yeah. And set up their own provisional government. Um, and in 1893, the queen yielded now to avoid any collision of armed forces and perhaps the loss of life. I yield my authority. Yeah. Like, so do she, we really she, need that quote. Right. It's like a terrible fucking quote. Yeah, 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 it's just like, she gave up. <laughs> we don't need a quote. Right. Um, they pushed her into a volcano and they moved on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then this guy, Steve. All, <laughs> all political meetings were held at the top of volcanoes, as was the Hawaiian custom. <laughs> Instead of being stoned to death, you'd be stoned with coconuts. Yeah. Yeah, pineapples. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'd have a luau. <laughs> you know? You. The pig gets really tender because of the volcanic ash. Right. Uh, s- this guy Stevens, John Stevens, um, this is that, he was the part of the reason the Planters Revolt worked. Uh, he was the chief American diplomat in Hawaii. He arranged for Marines from the warship Boston to assist in the revolt. So, again, like I said, they just forced this whole thing. Um, then they sent like a, a delegate to Washington to be like, we want to annex into the United States. I wonder what that letter said or what the thing said. It's like, Hey, we beat up all the natives. We pushed their leader into a volcano. (laughs) This place is ready to be a state. What do you say? We just native American this shit. (laughs) (laughs) Send some guys over. That's all it said. It's like, Hey, we got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, New President Grover Cleveland opposed the annex and withdrew the treaty from the Senate when uh, when he found out. 
which I think, which I liked. I mean, I think that's uh, good that the president's like, this is fucked up. Right, yeah. We shouldn't do this. Um, Cleveland called American interference in the Hawaii Revolution disgraceful. But then uh, William McKinley became president, and Congress approved the annex of Hawaii in 1900 and became a territory of the United States. Yep. There's a lot of that in this chapter where it's like, Cleveland said yes, McKinley said no, Roosevelt did this. Right, like it's yeah, just yeah. like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, the islands of Samoa. Um, basically, there was ports. They're 3,000 miles south of Hawaii, lay the Samoa Islands. These, there was ports on these islands from Britain and Germany and the, Uni- and the United States. And yeah, it, and I, like without consulting the Samoans, right? <laughs> they all got together and figured out how they were going to divide up uh, Samoa. And the U.S. and Germany split Samoa, and the U.S. quickly annexed its portion, and Great Britain withdrew from the area and returned for rights to other Pacific islands. So all these like superpowers are getting together, right? And just like we're gonna take these islands. How do you guys want to do it? They're like standing you know. in the middle of like a Samoa village, yeah. And there's like people around them, and they're just like, "So how are we divvying this up?" Right? Yeah. <laughs> and the Samoans are talking like, right in front of them. Yeah, the Samoans are just like, "Uh, you guys talking about us?" <laughs> no, no, no. Shut up! Shut up! Just shut up. We, men are talking here. <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shoot that man. <laughs> yeah, he just takes out a pistol and shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can go back to talking. Yeah. Anyone else? <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> just do whatever you're doing. We're just going to use your ports and yeah. build up military bases here. Whatever. We don't want your dumb huts. Yeah. <laughs> unless they're pizza huts. Yeah, unless it's a pizza hut. Yeah. I don't want Dude, it. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Can we continue? <laughs> Now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> what do Samoans eat? What do you eat? Not pizza, I'm <laughs> guessing. Savages. All right, bring us whatever dog you eat or whatever. I'm fucking hungry. Unless you know how to make a stuffed crust fucking pizza yeah. with extra pepperoni and cheese, I don't want to hear another fucking word out of you. I <sighs> can't wait to get out of this fucking jungle. <laughs> Sweat my balls off. Can we hurry this up, guys? <laughs> Look, you take half, I'll take half. Great brain, you don't want it, whatever. Germany and Britain are just like, dude, America's losing it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Just, you know what? I don't even want want it. Yeah. You guys have it. I just want to go home. I just want to go home now. <laughs> I want fish and chips in my mom. And crumpets. I want crumpets in my mom. Whatever those are. <laughs> my mom. I want, I want these. And my mom. And my mom. I want my mom. And crumpets, which I, I think are these dumb cookies. But I want them in Turkish delight. Oh, how I yearn for Big Ben. Oh, how I yearn for Big Ben to tell me the time. <laughs> I would love that that was like a thing <laughs> that people missed. Yeah. I just want Big Ben to tell me what time it is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. He just uh, gets bit by a mosquito and dies. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Damn it. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Um, <laughs> the Americans so, like slapping him in the face, like, "Hey, wake up! I found some pizza. Eat this. Eat this yeah. pizza. <laughs> Trying to revive him. We with made the some pizza. <laughs> it's made out of trees. <laughs> yeah. It's not so bad. There wasn't cheese or sauce or where's, bread. Where's Germany? Ah, hey, we shot him. He wouldn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> Eat this." <laughs> Um, to, to button that part up, like we said, uh, Germany and United States split Samoa and yeah, Great right. Britain like withdrew and I don't know, went somewhere else. The only thing, other thing I'll say is just looking at this map and all these islands in here, it's like, it's so crazy. I want to like go to them just to see them. Like they must be like, so, I mean, so I would imagine they're like more cut off than, well, I would imagine that. Most like more than half are probably just used for like naval bases, right? But then like the there's people that live there, you know. Like, um, not Fiji. all of them. I don't think all of them though. You think some of those are literally like Kingman just... Reef? Like who the fuck's on Kingman Reef? Dude, I spent time on Google one day just like looking Samoa, up, like, Guam, Philippines, islands. right? Yeah, but dude, there's islands. See the ones that are even smaller, the little dots. Like right, people yeah. live on those fucking things. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. Without pizza? Without pizza. No general sauce? I mean, dude, look how small Hawaii is. No, Hawaii's pretty big. Dude. It's not that big. It's bigger than, you know, some of these other ones. And the really tiny ones that aren't being pointed out, those are islands, too. I'm going to, later on, I'm going to show you some islands that you will not believe these people live on. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's not important. Yeah. <laughs> China and the open door. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go, guys. <laughs> uh, Pacific Island territories were stepping stones to a larger prize, China. Um, I didn't know all this. I thought this was interesting. Weakened by war, China also lacked industry. It could not resist the efforts of foreign powers that wanted to exploit its vast resources and markets. So rivalries in China. I thought this was weird. So in the late 1890s, uh, Japan and European powers had carved out spheres of influence in China. These were sections of the country where each of the foreign nations enjoyed special rights and powers. So is it just like basically like um, England can go and they'd be like from that wall to this wall. This is me. Like this yeah. is my vacation home. Yeah. Yeah. Like my space. There I'm, you go. I'm we're the shit here. Yeah. This is England right here in this spot. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. So company or companies, uh, they might as well be companies. Uh, countries like Japan, Germany, Great Britain, France, and Russia all had spheres of influence in China. Um, <clears throat> people like so some like business people and like people in government were worried that we were going to be left out of China. Like, you know, all these other countries are there, and they're like, oh, they have all these spheres of influence. Where's mm -hmm. our sphere of influence? Where's our sphere? <laughs> right. We want a sphere, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Russia's like, get your own sphere. <laughs> <laughs> to protect and expand American trading interests, Secretary of State John Hay proposed the open door policy. It gave each foreign nation in China rights to trade freely in the other nation's sphere of influence. So the way I interpret that is basically it's just like, open trading so like the american open sphere can walk over to japan's open sphere of influence and just be like hey i got these pancakes do you have some sushi for right. me everything's open for trade that's right how I took in it. china yeah <clears throat> okay that's how i took it too <clears throat> 
Which is weird, though. Like, what's... I don't know. Maybe because the book makes it so vague. But, like, so what? The Secretary of State in America? Well, it's like, okay, so there's a portion of China, like we said. Like, maybe it's, like, British China, right? The U.S. could go to British China and trade there. You know what I mean? It wasn't just British and the Chinese trading. Okay. That's basically what it was. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the Boxer Rebellion. This was cute. In 1899, a secret Chinese society, the Boxers, revolted against the, for, the quote, fire endeavors in China, and many foreigners died. The next year, foreign troops defeated the Boxers. The Boxer Rebellion led to uh, a second open-door proposal. <clears throat> this stressed, um, like, like respecting China and its borders and its mm -hmm. culture. Right. Um, and then other countries, like, that were worried about the revolt, uh, like, joined on in this policy. Right, so, yeah. Pretty much sounded like they were walking all over the Chinese, and then China was like, "Hey, you fuck know, you, guy! Hey, don't be such a prick!" Yeah. <laughs> and then they were just like, "Okay, okay, we'll 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 right. tone it down a little bit." Yeah. Don't uh, shoot where you eat, damn guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just fucking crap all over the street. Just fucking poop everywhere. You train all over the goddamn place. I'm getting nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and for what? <laughs> Oh, you got a nice fucking vacation home, don't you, fuckface? <laughs> fucking asshole, pisshole. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Paul Chang here <laughs> took <laughs> a nun. <laughs> meanwhile, Chang's sitting around with shit. <laughs> I'm tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at you. You come to my country, you got a big old fucking house, don't you? <laughs> look at me. I'm living in a goddamn hole. And damn guy, I think you're so cool. I think you're so fucking cool, don't you? <laughs> With your tea? You didn't even invent tea. I got green tea. I got black tea. Oh, you'll see one day. Oh, you're going to find out one day. <laughs> one day, if I can ask her. I'm a, Chinese are going to rule the world. There are going to be Chinese restaurants on every block. There's going to be Chinese restaurants everywhere, fucking fuckface faggot. And nothing else. <laughs> Uh, Japan, eager to expand its power in Asia, Japan began to ignore the open-door policy, and their actions led to war with Russia and conflict with the U.S. Crazy Russo-Japanese war. Yeah. That, I didn't even know that there was a war between the Japanese and the Russians. Well, it's almost like what we're going to get to later. It's like there was a war, but it was not something really that mattered. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it was just crazy imagining Japanese and Russian people fighting. Well, they did in World War II. It was Russia, the U.S., and oh, England. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Versus Japan, Italy, and Germany. Japan. Yeah. I hope that when we get to all that, that I'll be able to distinguish between my Japanese and Chinese accents. I don't think it's necessary, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's necessary. All I don't right. want to be racist. <laughs> don't all lower right. your eyes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Well, that's what we were doing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's what we were doing I'm this whole kidding. time. I'm so racist. Chapter one, we were talking about Chinese people drifting into the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> I think we said a president, you know? Uh, fuck. Um, in the early 1900s... Oh, yeah. Uh, class. On 
February 8th, 1904, J Japan attacked Russia, uh, the Russian fleet in Manchuria, starting the Russo-Japanese War. By the spring of 1905, both Japanese and Russian resources were nearly exhausted. Like, if you think that's crazy, I thought this was even this weirder. This was so funny. I wrote so <laughs> much shit down for this. President Teddy Roosevelt met with the Russian-Japanese leaders in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, <laughs> to settle the conflict. Like, he's just like, come on down, guys. Come on down to Portsmouth, where the <laughs> Russians and Japanese will be making a treaty. Yeah. Who knew? Have you ever been to Portsmouth? Uh, no, but I've heard of it. I've been to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. There's just, I think that holds like a record for like the most bars per square mile. Like it's just mm -hmm. covered in bars. It's just like a New England like come, party city. Come on down, guys. We'll go bar hopping. Where bring bring your cowboy outfits. Why did you bring us here? What is this place? <laughs> it's Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Open your eyes. Look at all the beautiful <laughs> birds. Do you Look think at all these beautiful birdies. <laughs> Freeze. Free as the devil. Do you think Roosevelt, like, what was Roosevelt thinking? He's like, hmm, I got to make these two countries get along. Where should I bring them? No, I shouldn't bring them to one of our beautiful, vast, majestic forests. And I shouldn't bring them to the capital. I know. I'll bring them to Portsmouth. <laughs> Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I'll get them all liquored up, and then maybe they'll sign the treaty. <laughs> Yeah, and in September 1905, like Japan what was his Russia, backup city? Oh, maybe I'll take him to Jersey City. Or yeah, or um, <laughs> like Newport, Rhode Island. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in September 1905, Japan and Russia signed the Treaty of Portsmouth. This recognized. <laughs> Their amazing time that they had together in that <laughs> fantastic city. Um, <laughs> recognized Japan's control of Korea in return for Japan's pledge to halt expansion. Um, Roosevelt hoped the treaty would preserve a balance of power in Asia, but it failed. Japan became the strongest naval power in the Pacific and challenged the U.S. in the region. I got to say, this place, New Portsmouth, isn't so bad. Yeah, I mean, you could see... Uh, this, this is basically like... <clears throat> This chapter is kind of like the stepping stones to what will be World War One, right? Yeah, um, and then yeah, strained relations. So a lot of Japanese were immigrating to the U.S. on the West Coast, um, and they settled in California. And in 1906, the San Francisco Board of Education ordered all Asian students to attend separate schools. I thought this is weird. The Japanese government protested. Like, the <laughs> fuck do you have a say for in the U.S.? Well, they all left your shit country. I wrote, I know. Because you're at war, like I wrote, a bunch of dicks. I wrote the steps down because if you take a step back and just write the steps of what happens, it's yeah. like, Japanese move to USA. USA calls for separate schools. Japan gets mad. Roosevelt stops the schools. Japan lowers immigration, but is <laughs> lowers immigration, but still isn't happy. Roosevelt sends a ship around the world for show. Japan's happy again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, pretty cool boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. They got all pissed, and President Roosevelt did not want to go to war, so he sent 16 gleaming white battleships on a cruise around the world. The Great White Fleet greatly impressed the Japanese. <laughs> oh, this Teddy Roosevelt is a fucking crazy guy. <laughs> this guy's crazy. Yeah. I let it slide. Yeah. <laughs> He's crazy just like me. <laughs> This damn guy. I also wrote this too, like the difference between the Russians and the Japanese is just like Russia's like, uh, yeah, you know, this Portsmouth isn't such a bad place. I had a good time. Right. But then like, you know, in the end, obviously Japan becomes like the heavy power over there. It's just like, this is what happens when you bring me to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> Never going back. Never going back. <laughs> um... And yeah, this is kind of what I alluded to. We're getting into the Spanish-American War. The reason why we didn't 
remember this war is because like what did it last like a couple days or something right, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um right so cuba cuba is trying to gain its independence from spain correct yes and this is where all that monroe, monroe doctrine bullshit starts happening yeah so president grover cleveland opposed any american involvement uh, in cuba yep but in March of 1897, William McKinley became president. He, too, hoped for a peaceful settlement. But, okay, yeah. But then the this is where they get into, like, yellow journalism. So the powers that be are trying to keep things at peace. Um, but then the press... The U.S. hates Spain. I think that's really what right, it is. Right. The U.S. hates Spain, and some people, you know, the press wants war. People have opinions about stuff. I'm sure some people wanted, you know, uh, our place in Cuba... So this war really is started and fueled by the press. It, this war didn't really have to happen. So the American press uh, reported the tragedy in graphic detail. Wait, did they blow up that boat yet? Did we get there yet? Which boat? The... Oh, never mind. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, but that's all you basically have to know. And then, like, Joseph Pulitzer's The World and William Randolph Hearst's Journal, uh, they, like, tried outdoing each other with, like, shocking headlines and all this type of shit. Um, Hearst, it said, told an artist who was illustrating a news story in Cuba, You're furnish, uh, you furnish the pictures, I'll furnish the war. Yeah. So, basically, they, they egged this war on when it didn't have to happen. And I thought this was interesting down here, this little section. Did you read this thing, Sheet Music? No, I didn't read that part. Basically, what it talks about is around this time, there was all this music being made. Um, so it's like during the 1890s, popular music was sold primarily as sheet music. Friends and family gathered around pianos and homes and sang the latest music. The Spanish-American War was a popular theme in much of the sheet music. Many songwriters wrote patriotic marches stirring uh, and stirring songs to rally American support for the war. War heroes uh, were celebrated in musical numbers such as the charge of the Rough Riders. Patriotic music not only provided entertainment, it also shaped people's attitudes about the war. Like, you never see that today. Like, no. just, like, music being made. Like, could you imagine there was music being made? Like, we need healthcare, universal healthcare. <laughs> right. We want to go to the doctor. Like, you mm. know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. never that type of shit anymore. No, it's just, like, country music that's like, and we killed the terrorists. <laughs> right. Because they're... Hearts are filled with evil. <laughs> so I drove my truck over his wife. Right. Because she was a goddamn fundamentalist. <laughs> Pull out of the Middle East. We don't want the war. Yeah. You know, it's just like all that type of shit. Fucking pussies. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, all this whole thing about, like, the government or the the... What do you fucking call it? The media, the news, like mm -hmm. yellow journalism. That's what it's called. Yeah. Um, and then remember the main. So I just want to make sure I can sum this up and not get it right. So basically, there's like all these revolts going on in Cuba against right. Spain. President McKinley's getting some pressure to do something about it. So he sends this battleship. He sends this battleship and it's just, just sitting to hang there. Out. Yeah. And just it's to not hang out. doing anything. And then it, it blew up, up. <laughs> and a 260, right? 260, yeah. Yeah. Officers and crew members were killed. Um, again, American newspapers immediately blamed the Spanish. However, people think that it might have just been like it's some just, kind of technical it, it, it thing. It was a technical thing, but at the time, 
it was said that it was an attack from Spain. That Spain blew right, the yeah. American ship. And so, which the by slogan, the way, I think I called that when we were doing the section. What before you read this chapter, when we were doing the sections, and I, I said the only thing I kind of remember about this was that it was fueled by the news. Okay. So props to me. <laughs> Kudos. Kudos to myself. Uh, yeah, and the slogan, remember the main, became a rallying cry for revenge. Yeah. I'm going to start using that. What? Remember the main. Remember the main? Yeah. Remember the main! Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. We should just start using really out-of-reference historical sayings and just apply them to today. Right, yeah. Just go with it. I can't think of any other ones, but... But this one. This one. <laughs> this will be the start. Um, so war in the Philippines. In late February 1898, uh, Assistant Secretary of the Navy Theodore Roosevelt had wired Commodore George Dewey to prepare for possible merit- military action in the Philippines. Um, oh, this is, this is, yeah. What happened in Cuba triggered the, the start of the Spanish American War. And so, yeah, that, that, yeah, the boat blowing up in Cuba, they then were like... <laughs> The Spanish are also in the Philippines, so we're like, well, we're going to attack them in the, on the other side of the world. Right, yeah. It's still Spain, but they're, like, over there. Right, And yeah. all I kept thinking about was, like, I'm sure they had the communication. It probably took, like, maybe a day to get a message over, you know, maybe. I don't know, maybe less. Who the fuck knows? But mm-hmm. it's got to be weird, like, the Spanish did. I wonder if the Spanish, like, did or didn't know the ones that were in the Philippines knew that they were going to get attacked because of what happened. <laughs> Having like barbecues on the beach and <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like in Playing the distance, volleyball. yeah, in the distance, like American warships are rolling up. You know what I mean? Cause <laughs> yeah, that yeah, happened yeah. all the way down in Cuba. Like right, how yeah. fast does that? I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. And it's like all happening on these like little islands. Yeah. yeah. It's like so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, so in the early morning hours of May 1st, Dewey launched a surprise attack on the Spanish fleet in Manila Bay. Um, He destroyed most of the Spanish ships. And American troops arrived in July, and Filipino rebels led by Emilio Aguinaldo uh, helped the Americans capture the city of Manila. Yeah. Uh, They expected American support, but the United States debated what to do with the islands. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's what happened. The... Using America was then took the island of Luzon and declared independence. <clears throat> so that sounds like that second part, this whole like the rebels taking over Luzon, it sounds like when the Americans finished doing their thing in Manila, they were like, All right, yeah, we we did what we have to do. But then Emilio was like, Nah, we're still going forward. Right. Yeah, did yeah. more shit. America yeah. was like, Whoa, whoa, what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> supposed to give those guns back yeah. where are you going yeah <laughs> get back over get over here <laughs> just like run off into the jungle every gun is not accounted for <laughs> i'm gonna get my ass handed to me right <laughs> teddy's gonna be pissed yeah. where's all those guns i gave you yeah. <laughs> it's like up in a fucking tree <laughs> with the horse next to him <laughs> Yeah, the horse is dressed like him, <laughs> with like the hat. Oh my god! Um. <laughs> Fighting in Cuba. Uh, meanwhile, in the Caribbean, Spanish fleet entered the harbor of Santiago in Cuba. Santiago. Yeah. Um, in Cuba on May nineteenth, 
American ships soon blockaded the coast, trapping Spanish in the harbor. About 17,000 American troops, nearly a quarter of them, quarter of them African Americans, then came ashore. Uh, while forces under Cuban General, how do you say that? Calico, Cal, Calito, Calito, Calito Garcia drove off Spanish soldiers. Um, as Cuban American forces advanced, heavy fighting followed. Yep. Um, and then this is the Rough Riders. Stop! Drop! <laughs> Shut them down! Open up shop! Whoa! Oh, no! That's a Rough that's Riders. That's a Rough Riders roll. That's a Rough Riders yo. Stop! Drop! <laughs> Set it up! Set up shop! Hey! Hey! I'm a Rough Rider! Hey! <laughs> Flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. Flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. <laughs> I wish I knew the words to that song. I just know the chorus. Uh, and I just yeah. know Flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood is the <laughs> album. Uh, the album that that's on. And he's like, he's just covered in blood and he's right. got no shirt on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you just make it Roosevelt. Yeah. <laughs> And his horse. Yeah, yeah. You know, it would be so funny, too, if it's like, it was just you had DMX. He's like, you know, I don't know the words. He's like, and they go, what? You know, they do that every, like, every time he finishes rap. It's like, down with my dogs. Down with my dogs. What? What? Yeah. Or if it was a song about the original Rough Riders and all the lyrics are about Teddy Roosevelt. Some of them from some of them are from college. How? How? We're educated ho. <laughs> Where my cow hands at? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Drop. <laughs> I, I, just, I just picture, like, because the whole music video is, like, him on, like, motorcycles and shit. It's, it's them just, like, just Teddy like, Roosevelt. Yeah. yeah. Or Teddy Roosevelt, like, on, like, a, a four-wheeler. Like, right. Popping wheelies <laughs> and shit. <laughs> With his, like... He has like his Boy Scout outfit on with the shorts and the handkerchief. Driving a motorcycle with his horse like just tied on the side to the car. side of it. Yeah, <laughs> sidecar. It's like the helmet and the goggles and the fucking uh, like handkerchief or whatever. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Hey. yeah. So uh, Terry Roosevelt resigned his position as Assistant Secretary of the Navy to join the fighting in Cuba. So wait, I'm by going the way, before over we there. get into this, is mm-hmm. this after he's president? I think this is before. This is pre-president. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it said that he was assistant secretary of the Navy. So I'm pretty sure that's before he became the president. Right. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure if maybe he like picked up some smaller positions after he was president. No, because again, we kind of went back in time a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so the regiment was a sort of group of former cowhands and college students popularly known as the Rough Riders. On July 1st, the Rough Riders with African-American soldiers of the 9th and 10th Cavalries joined the Battle of San Juan Hill. I waved my hat, and we went up the hill with a rush. Wee! <laughs> Roosevelt wrote later. <laughs> Wait, I wonder <clears throat> what, what this regiment was assorted group, like, U.S. Cavalry volunteers. So these are just volunteer soldiers. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it was like cowhands just- and college students. So, yeah. So what are they just like looking for some adventure or something like that? Like they, they they felt very deeply about what was going on in Cuba. Felt they had to get down there. Maybe they just love fucking Roosevelt. I don't know. We love you, Teddy. <laughs> I'll fight for you, Ted. You're the man. <laughs> Who's coming with me, guys? 
Hey, y'all, who's going to come with me and fight this war? Of course we will. <laughs> I hate college. Who wants to go on a little bit of adventure with Tide I'm flunking anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the Americans captured San Juan Hill after intense fighting. Uh, two days later, the Spanish fleet attempted to break out of the Santiago Harbor in a battle that lasted about four hours. The, Sp- the Spanish fleet was destroyed, <laughs> ending Spanish resistance in Cuba. So that was that's the fucking that's the war, right? Damn, only four hours. I thought we were gonna have a better war, right, fellas? <laughs> yeah. Right, Rough Riders. And they're all just like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> well, back to the forest, guys. All right, let's go back to America and have some pie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll meet you guys back there. He just gets on a zip line. Have y'all been to the Grand Canyon? It's beautiful. Not enough birds, but still beautiful. I could use some more birds. You know how much I love my birds. He's <laughs> got a sweater with birds yeah. on him. He's a bird sweater, yeah. Um, uh, losses in the war. Uh, so the war actually lasted fewer than four months. So it wasn't four hours, but it was pretty short. Same difference. Yeah. <laughs> four hours, four months. It's all the same to me. It's all the same when you're in the woods. <laughs> Time flies when you're killing people. <laughs> um, about 400 Americans were killed in battle or died from wounds received in the fighting. That's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> More than 2,000 Americans died of yellow fever, malaria, and other diseases found in the tropical climate. Okay, that's kind of shitty, but... <laughs> Still not that bad. I'm not a doctor, but I'm not that dead. sounds bad. I'm not dead. <laughs> not Teddy. <laughs> yeah, so that's basically the end of the Spanish-American War. Oh, but you didn't talk about this part. So there was this, I, I mean, I, I don't know. This seemed obvious to me, but the book says it, so maybe it's important for some reason. But there was this weird thing where, like, African-Americans and, like, all these guys and the Rough Riders in Cuba were, like, all fighting as equals. But then after the war, they all came back. They were, the African-American soldiers were, like, segregated again. Yeah. So that was, like, a problem, I guess, as well. I guess in keeping the... Uh... Another fucking Treaty of Paris, Chris. I know! <laughs> what the fuck? It's just, like, I guess, like, after we signed the first one, we're like, this is what we're doing. Anytime we go to war and there's a treaty. Yeah. It's so fucking weird. Yeah, so the United States and Spain signed the Treaty of Paris on December 10th, 1898, ending the war. Uh, the treaty dissolved most of the Spanish Empire. Cuba became an American protectorate. Uh, protector is technically an independent country, but it is under the control of another country. Right. So it's not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like so fucking stupid. Yeah. It's just um, letting you think that it's just letting you think that you're a independent. And yeah. then the territory is the same thing yeah and <laughs> we also uh puerto rico and guam became territories of the u.s um it's the area is completely controlled by another country yeah and in this case puerto rico was uh like they were basically american citizens well without all the rights yes like they're the controlled by the u.s but they don't actually have any of the benefits of being a U.S. citizen or anything like that. Right. That wasn't until much later. Even now, they can vote, but that's about it, right? I think so. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, who cares? Cuban protectorate. So Cuba was the protectorate. Like, the United States oversaw Cuba. Um, and then in 1901, the United States granted Cubans full independence, but uh, only if their new constitution included clauses giving the United States certain rights. 
um, known as the Platt Amendment, these uh, conditions prohibited Cuba from making treaties with other nations. Um, they gave the United States control of the naval base at Guantanamo Bay. Um, the United States could also intervene in Cuban affairs if the country's independence was threatened. It just seems like semantics, though. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you're kind of like Cuba's a child and we're their parent. Right. And we like, you know, there's some deal being made. We're like, well, let us take a look at it first. You don't know anything about buying a house, you fucking asshole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, new government for Puerto Rico. After the war, Puerto Rico remained under direct military rule. Um, in 1900, the U.S. set up a new Puerto Rican government under the Foraker Act. Um, in 1917, the Jones Act made Puerto Rico territory of the U.S. Uh, American citizenship was granted to all Puerto Ricans. I guess I was wrong. Then. Yeah, you were. <laughs> Is that like, so Puerto Rico becomes a territory, now they're all U.S. citizens, basically? I bet, yeah, I think so. I thought that's that's what I highlighted. Many Puerto Ricans, however, still, still wanted want independence. independence. Yeah. Acquiring yeah, the Philippines. Well, I don't think so, because <laughs> I've seen the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and you guys seem to like it here. Yeah. <laughs> so. You do, must be I, doing all right. I doubt that. <laughs> uh... The treaty that ended the Spanish-American War, we ended up with the Philippines. Um, this, however, like there was a lot of debate in the United States about us acquiring the Philippines. Um, in the 1890s, the anti-imperialists, um, they, didn't, they didn't want the treaty to be approved. They were, they were fighting it. Um, they thought American rule of the Philippines went against the democratic principles on which the United States was founded. Um, they also opposed the fact that, like, we were going to need an army to go over there, which was going to cost us money. Um, then other Americans, uh, blah, 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 blah. oh, they also feared labor competition. So these people that felt this way were Andrew Carnegie, Carl Schultz, and Mark Twain. Um, they were anti-imperialists. Then imperialists, the opposite, um, people like Senator Henry Cabot Lodge and Albert Beverage, uh, beverage, that's a weird, cool. <laughs> beverage, Albert. get me a fucking drink. <laughs> <laughs> Make like your name and do it. Yeah. Uh, eventually won out. Um, they argued the Philippines would provide the United States with another Pacific naval base, uh, a stopover on the way to China and a large market for American goods. Um, they also were on this thing of like, you know, helping the less civilized people of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, the Senate ratified another, a, yet a, a year later, another treaty of Paris. There's a lot of them. I know so many. Um, we should Google treaty of Paris and see how many there are. Too many. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rebellion in the Philippines in February, 1899, Emilio Ag Agulados, Forces began to fight for independence. More than 4,000 Americans died. The Filipinos suffered far greater casualties. Yeah. At least 200,000 soldiers and civilians died. I highlighted, that's the only thing that I highlighted on this page because, like, were their guns, like, 50% of the time they backfired? Or, <laughs> like, like, how do you have that many more casualties? It's 50 times more. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You mean, ca like, casualties as in, like, people that got shot? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the Americans just had, like, better guns and technology, and they just went in there and threw fucking grenades and blow them up. I guess. I don't know. You really think the 1899? 
native Philippines had like the same sort of gun power and like military backing. Like, do you know what I mean? They probably just had whatever. No, guns. but I mean that's that's huge. That's fifty times more. Like, how does that happen? Why wouldn't they give up before then? You know, how many fucking people are even like how many people are on the Philippines to begin with? Is that like a fifth of their population? Probably a lot, y'all. Yeah, they just don't. Right. They just don't. I, don't know, up I thought that was weird. Philippines don't give up. Um, like, did they not know how long they had to, you know, like throw a grenade as soon as you take out the pin? Where they're just waiting with them I, and like, I don't know. Like step one, take out pin, and then See, there is like no step them. two, and they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> they all just but, die. But you don't think that they're? You're blaming them for killing themselves, like, like I feel like. Every Philippine soldier probably had like a right, like a not auto, like a rifle, right? But then mm-hmm. like American soldiers probably had like semi-automatic or automatic rifles. So in eighteen ninety nine, I don't think so. Like I'm not saying that they that, that our our guns were better than theirs. I'm sure they were, but it just seems like that's a staggering fucking number, especially when we're fighting like in their jungle fucking territory. Well, it says 200,000 soldiers and civilians died. So there's probably also a lot of, like, Vietnam War, like, innocent people being killed for no reason. I don't know. Those numbers just did not add up for me. I was just like, that's really? fucked up. Yeah. I mean, I agree that it was fucked up, but I just, I don't know. I could just totally see that right. happening. Like, what do you, you're going in, like, you go in. Trying to, like, kill them with brooms. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or, you know, and then you're just, like, some asshole American guy with one of those twisty, like, gun, machine gun rail guns. Again, though, I don't think those existed in 1899. I bet you they had some form of automatic gun. Yeah. I'm not saying it was convenient, mm-hmm. but I bet you they had it. Okay. And bombs. I thought that was all, like, during World War One and World War Two that that shit came up. I mean, they have torpedoes. <laughs> The ships have torpedoes. Right. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. The warships? I thought yes. they have cannons. Dude, look. See, this is what happens when you don't read the sections. Look. Look at this. Section one, modern battleships. One, torpedo tubes. I don't read that stuff Are devices on the to launch torpedoes. Yeah, I don't watch that. I don't read that stuff. Moving away from wooden ship powered solely by the wind, the U.S. Navy built steel-hulled ships with steam-powered engines that included sails. One of the U.S. naval uh, first armored battles was the USS Maine. One, points at the front, torpedo tubes. Two, steam boilers. Munitions were stored in the magazine. Yeah, dude. If you have torpedoes in an mm-hmm. armored battleship, I'm sure you have, like, some, like, cr- at least a crank machine gun. Okay. Or something. All right. So now do the numbers make more sense to you? No, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get hung up on this. Let's move forward. <laughs> um, when Aguilando was captured in March 1901, many Filipino military officers and soldiers surrendered. Um, he, oh, but this to be the, even this right here, like you just said, others uh, refused to give up even after Aguilar urged them to stop. So, like this guy gets arrested. He's like, guys, <laughs> heed my words. As the leader of this militia, hey, hey <laughs> Philippines. <laughs> Same thing. The Spanish, the Spanish Asians. Yeah. <laughs> he tells them to stop, and they're just like, "No, man." <laughs> Here, no. 
Hell no, man. <laughs> I'm not doing any of that essay. Hell no, cabron. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds like they foolishly kept continuing to fight when they should have maybe, like, regrouped Listen and made to a their plan. Leader. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in the summer of 1901, the United States transfer authority from a military to a civilian government headed by William Howard Taft. Um, yeah, the Philippines gained independence in, in 1946. So, um, Panama Canal. The, all the music I thought of when I read this whole section. So, do you ever listen to Bossa Nova music? Like Bossa Nova style music? I'll play you, I'll play you a little snippet of boss, what Bossa Nova music sounds like. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. This is like some gay Black Eyed Peas remix. I want like the original shit. Oh, here we go. <laughs> okay. You know this music? Yeah. So just like Brazilian jazz. But then you're getting bit by a mosquito and getting malaria. Right, yeah. <laughs> or like mud falls on you're you. Washing, and you die. You're washing your body in a swamp. <laughs> fucking idiots it took a doctor to come over there and be like probably shouldn't do that yeah <laughs> oh man they'd have like 50 mosquito bites and like only one of them actually was the malaria right we could have prevented this guys <laughs> yeah. uh the opening of the Panama Canal in 1914 was a fulfillment of a long-held dream. For hundreds of years, Americans and Europeans wanted to build that magical canal across Central America to connect the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans. Yeah, so we wouldn't have to deal with fucking South America anymore. Right. Just drive right through that shit. Right. <laughs> uh, they, whatever, they just wanted to make the trip shorter uh, instead of having to go, like, all the way down and around the tip of South America. Mm-hmm. Um, Panama was an isthmus, a narrow strip of land connecting two larger bodies of land. It was about 50 miles wide, was between the Caribbean Sea and the Pacific Ocean. Um, in 1879, the French company acquired a lease from Colombia to build a canal across Colombia's northern province of Panama. Uh, they failed to build this canal, and lack of funds and terrible loss from disease and workers, so they gave up. United. Oh, what were you going to do? What were you say? No, I was just going to say, and then in 1901, the U.S. bought the lease from the French for $40 million. Yep. Um, Secretary of State John Hay negotiated a treaty with Colombia in 1903 that granted the United States a 99-year lease on a strip of land across Panama. Mm-hmm. That lease cost the United States a payment of $10 million and an annual rent of $250,000. Seems kind of crazy. I was wondering what happened when that lease went up. I didn't read any news about it back <laughs> i mean back in 2000 i was I'm 13 sure years old it. but probably didn't give yeah. a shit um yeah i don't know revolution in panama i mean basically mm-hmm. if you just go back to my if you go back to the simple steps of being taken over right by a white population you'll see that we've reached step three um they skipped right to step three <laughs> <laughs> Do they have? Do they like what you have? Are you conveniently located to help them do something? <laughs> um, yeah, be lighted with Panama. We're an independent state. So basically, you have all this American, you know, workers and people moving down there, and just like everything else, like you buy up this land, you start building on it. Your 
everything the Americans are doing are like rubbing off on the local people that live there and people aren't having it pretty much. Yep. Um, however, Panama had this problem with Colombia. Um, and so Panamanians believed that Americans would help them with this revolt against Colombia. Um, and then on November 1903, American warship Nashville uh, steamed into the port of Cologne in the Caribbean coast of Panama. Encouraged by the show of support, Panamanians revolted the next day and declared their independence. Colombian force sent forces to stop their revolt, but the United States intervened and turned them back. So it kind of sounds like it doesn't sound like the United States. It sounds like right now what the United States is doing because Colombia isn't Europe. Mm -hmm. And so Europe's not interfering, but it almost just kind of sounds like America's like, Come on, you, you you got a Panama, you got a buddy, like you just need a little nudge and right, yeah. maybe I'll give you some guns and we won't talk about that and you gotta stand up for yourself, guy. Yeah, here's some guns. <laughs> right, yeah. And you got this. We are not gonna fight. They're not our guns, by the way. These are not our guns. He's like <laughs> winking at them. These are your just guns. Drop off all the parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause notice I mean, cause even here it says it even says Colombia forced to stop the revolt, but the United States intervened and turned them back. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like the United States, like Colombia was going after them. The United States didn't fire any bullets, but they just all showed up and was like, uh-uh, turn it around, assholes. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, damn it, fine. <laughs> uh, the Panama Canal. On November 6th, the United States recognized Panama's independence. Less than two weeks later, Hay signed a treaty with the new nation of Panama. It gave the United States a 10-mile strip of land across the country for the same amount offered earlier to Colombia. Um, the United States now had its land to build the canal. Many Latin Americans, some Congress members, and other Americans were angered. Um, this president, however... Uh, took great. Uh, the president, however, took great pride in his um, accomplishment. He later said... Uh, I took the canal zone and led Congress debate a while, um, and let Congress debate. And while the debate goes on, the canal does also. An English writer described Panama as a damp tropical jungle, intensely hot, swarming with mosquitoes. Um, and everybody was getting sick of yellow fever and malaria. Yep. Uh, the grand opening. The Panama Canal opened on August 15th, 1914. A cargo ship named the Anaconda. Uh, made the first voyage through the new waterway. Blasting this. <laughs> Before the canal opened, ships sailing from New York to San Francisco traveled 12,600 miles around the treacherous tip of South America. Afterwards, the trip was only 4,900 miles. Oh! <laughs> Me gusta. Me gusta! <laughs> um, policing the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> just feels like a guy like laying in bed like coughing and just throwing up <coughs> did we finish did we finish did we finish the canal it's done we've made it through <laughs> oh so excited <laughs> carry me there <laughs> can i see it <laughs> no you're on your deathbed we're cutting off your legs <laughs> <laughs> You have no legs. Do you not remember? <laughs> you have no legs. Yeah. Um, President Roosevelt often quoted an African proverb, speak softly and carry a big stick. That's what I do all the time, y'all. 
He believed the U.S. should respond to foreign crisis not with threats but with military action. With a big action. stick. Yep. <laughs> Roosevelt became known for his big stick. We should be he felt international that, police power. Yeah, he felt that this was necessary to preserve order and to prevent the world from falling into anarchy. Listen, if we don't go around this country, if we don't go around this world with a big stick and show everybody our stick and hit them with it, then it's go- everything's going to fall apart. We all got our sticks. Why not use them? If we got a stick, you might as well use it. <laughs> <laughs> or return it to nature. <laughs> and when you're done with the stick, just throw it back in the woods. <laughs> and that stick will become a tree. <laughs> and in that tree will be a bird. And in that tree will be my zip line. And guess that who? I will zip around the country with. <laughs> guess we'll be watching that bird. My Man. horse. <laughs> <laughs> my horse. Teddy Jr. <laughs> <laughs> my son. <laughs> <laughs> Who's also my horse. Um, in 1904, Roosevelt asserted America's right to act as a policeman in Latin America and to intervene, however reluctantly, in case of wrongdoing. Right. Uh, this policy was known as the Roosevelt Corollary. was in addition to the Monroe Doctrine. Um, under the Roosevelt Corollary, the United States now claimed the right to intervene in the affairs of Latin American nations whenever those nations seemed unstable. So, yeah, Team America, World Police. So here's what I'm thinking. If we ever find out that there's some problems down in South America, it's our job to go down there and set it straight. Send the boys down with their sticks. Set up a goddamn zipline. I'm going to go down there and hit it with my sticks. I only travel by zipline. Hey, Rough Riders, pick up your sticks. Let's all go zipline over there and show them who's boss. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a bunch of like guys wearing... Uh... Oh, oh, well, you, you have finals next week? All right, well... Okay. After. I'm sure in a few more weeks meet we us find down. some other country. You can all meet us down there. Made it sound like we're done. Grab your sticks. The zip lines up. The zip lines up, boss. Oh, look at Timmy over there. He brought his devil sticks. What a silly little boy. <laughs> no, you can still bring them. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well have some fun. Might as well have them. Uh, <laughs> the U.S. first. Sticks apply. ain't all about fighting. Sometimes you need them for fun. Sticks have a lot of purposes. They make fun sticks too. Pick up sticks. Son, don't touch that. That's daddy's stick. That's an adult stick. <laughs> What you want are these pickup sticks. What you want is a pickup stick or pick, a popsicle stick. Pick them up. My, I got my son some popsicle sticks. One day he's going to have a big stick like his daddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, look at Patty over there. He's got a shillelagh. That's an Irish stick. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Irish. You can join the Rough Riders if you want. <laughs> Boy, I sure do love sticks. <laughs> uh, the U.S. first applied the Roosevelt. What that black guy say? <laughs> Hit people with sticks. Okay. I like black guys. <laughs> I don't know if black guys can zipline. I've never seen it. <laughs> I've never seen a black man zipline, but hey. If my horse can do it. <laughs> <laughs> if my horse can do it, black man can do it too. Yeah. Um, the U.S. first applied the Roosevelt Corollary in 1905 when it c- took control of the Dominican Republicans' finances following a revolution <laughs> that had toppled the country's government. <laughs> They just like, hey, I think this new plan's working, guys. Yeah. We're going to come in here and show you guys how, about math. <laughs> um, then there was this thing called dollar diplomacy. Um, Howard Taft had a different view. Taft hoped to change American foreign policy by substituting dollars for bullets. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. How much for this coffee? Uh, it's going to be two bullets. <laughs> um, Taft's policy, known as dollar diplomacy. Uh, I only have gunpowder. Do you accept gunpowder? 
No, bullets only. <laughs> oh, four o'clock. Time for supper. Um, uh, can you break a cannonball? Uh, hold on. Let me see if it's real. Who do I look like? <laughs> the president, goddammit. Um, the policy had some positive and some negative effects. Uh, first, American investments in Latin America grew. Roads, railroads, and harbors built with American investments helped increase trade and profits. Uh, second, the U.S. played a stronger role overseas. Um, when U.S. business interests in Latin America were threatened, military invention, intervention often followed. And then basically Latin Americans hated the U.S. Yeah. As usual. As, like I said, if you just follow our easy 12-step program of deciding whether or not you're being taken over. Right, yeah. You will better, you will better the future of your country. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or Or not. <laughs> Or it'll be exactly the same. <laughs> or you'll create problems of your own. <laughs> when deciding, you should be <laughs> you should create a pros and cons list. <laughs> <laughs> pros, math, <laughs> cons, military. <laughs> and if you call now, you'll get a free copy of our book. <laughs> I'm already taken over, and what do I do now? <laughs> Step one, buy Mary face by masks. And Rob. <laughs> Step one, buy face masks. <laughs> Stay, cover your mouth when you cough. Step two, burn all your money. <laughs> Step one, move. <laughs> I heard Germany's beautiful this time of year. Right. <laughs> uh, relations with Mexico. In early 1900s, Mexico was a poor country. Still is. Nothing's changed there. Then, in 1910, events in Mexico began to threaten American investments. This period also revealed the weakness of the dollar diplomacy and forced the United States to use military intervention to protect the, invest to protect the interests in the area. Yeah, I thought this was kind of crazy. So in 1911, uh, popular Mexican reformer Francisco Madero led a successful revolution. His goal was to overthrow Mexico's brutal, brutal dictator, Porfirio Diaz, um, foreign businesses and some Mexican politicians and landowners prospered under the rule of Diaz. Oh, is this not? Right. I was thinking of uh, the thing where they go into New Mexico and they fuck everyone up. That's not this well, part. Well, it all like leads into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically it sounds like this guy was like corrupt and the rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. And so mm -hmm. this revolt of people thought it was bullshit. So two years after taking power, Madero was overthrown and killed by General Verano where to um like diaz where to favored the wealthy and foreign interests president woodrow wilson uh who had just taken office refused to recognize Huerto's government of butchers In fucking woodrow wilson what a yeah. piece of shit yeah he is a what piece a of fucking shit puss. yeah i love how they mention him but it's like they're not like president woodrow wilson like they're just like woodrow wilson like did well, they mention that in an earlier chapter that he's the president during this time uh they don't mention. They don't say anything about what he is. It's just Woodrow Wilson. Right. They don't say it at all. No, because this is the first time that we're talking about him. Yeah, we just like get into Woodrow. Well, maybe he wasn't president yet. No, it says look for President Woodrow Wilson, who had just taken office, refused oh, to recognize. Okay. So yeah, so yeah, he is president at this point. Um, well, if I didn't read that last sentence, Chris, then <laughs> I wouldn't fucking know. So. Uh, in foreign affairs, Woodrow Wilson hoped to avoid further imperialism by the United States. Uh, according to Wilson, the United States had a duty to, t to quote, 
teach the South American republics to elect good men. What? <laughs> uh, like Roosevelt and Taft, Wilson wanted to recognize importance of military power and economic interest. Will, uh, Wilson, however, wished to base his foreign policy on moral principles. Uh, Wilson's moral, quote, moral diplomacy faced a serious challenge in Mexico. After where it took power, a civil war broke out in Mexico. Um, Wilson hoped that where the government uh, without American support would fall. Uh, that didn't happen, and Wilson authorized this um, arms sales to Huerta's rival, Ven Ven Venustiano Carranza. Carranza. I don't know. Basically, the United States. Carranza. Yeah, basically, the United States backed this like this group that was trying to take this guy down because they didn't like Huerta and what he was doing with Mexico. Um, and then more problems in 1914. Huerta's troops arrested some American sailors. Wilson ordered U.S. troops to seize the port of Ver Veracruz. Um, Huerta was forced to flee in August. Carranza took power and American troops withdrew. However, Huerta's departure did not end the Civil War. Rebel oh, leader yeah. Francisco Pancho Villa rose up against Carranza. Uh, in January 1916, Villa held and shot 16 Americans because of U.S. support for the Carranza government. And then Villa and his rebels crossed into New Mexico, burning the town of Columbus and killing 18 Americans. I thought that was like, yeah, come on, guys, we're going to go to fucking America. We're going to fuck this town up. <laughs> Uh, Pancho Villa just crossed into oh, New Mexico and yeah, burned didn't... a fucking town down and killed 18 Americans. It's like in and out. He just like went in, lit a town on fire, and ran away like a puss. Yeah, but then so then the U.S. sent troops um, to like track him down, and they didn't find him for a year because they were hiding him like fucking Al Qaeda or some yeah, shit. Yeah. And uh, basically, what ends up happening is a war starts brewing in Europe, and we just kind of like. like Fuck this. We got bigger shit to deal with. Dude, Mexico sucks anyway. Come back. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. got some other shit going on right now. <laughs> and that is chapter 22. Yeah. I I had a... World War One. It's coming. <laughs> All the world fighting. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Can't wait for the world war. <laughs> Join your hands together, children. We're going to war. <laughs> Start jerking off your dicks, cause we're going to war. It's called about World War. Got kind of a war boner. Talking about trench warfare. Da, 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 da. World War Boners. <laughs> um, the one sort of rhetorical question I'll ask you is do we still have the is the Mon 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 Monroe Doctrine still a thing today? Is that like... I'm going to say yes. Probably, right? Yeah. That, that just seems like such a... We see Europe's doing something. We're going to get involved. Mm -hmm. Like you I said, it's like, your, it's like your dad. Yeah. It's called the dad doctrine. Yeah. You call your dad up. Yeah, so I'm thinking about leasing a car. Why would you lease a car? What are you, a fucking idiot? <laughs> you buy it. Makes no sense. You don't know shit. Leasing is not what I wanted for this country. Stop calling me. Stop calling it. Stop leasing stuff. Is it Father's Day? No. Then don't call me. If you don't make it yourself, then it's not worth having. Yeah. So that's chapter twenty-two. About to get into World War One. Um, yeah. 
Oh, also this the the end of this chapter also ends. I liked this line. Americans experience in Mexico showed other nations that the United States would willingly use its power when its interests or its honor was threatened. AKA USA showed the nations not to fuck with us. Yeah. Ever. This is when the first these colors don't run t shirts were made. Right. Because yeah. yeah. it made sense. Right. Totally makes so. sense. So Ugh. All right. Yeah. yeah. I, which I love. I love, like, there's a part of me that loves that attitude of, like, yeah, I'm from fucking America. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll fuck you up. Yo, let's put it this way. If I get arrested in your country, my country's probably going to do something about it. If you get arrested in my country, <sighs> say goodnight, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Dunzo. Yeah. <laughs> you're either going to be in jail. Yeah. Or you're probably going to die on some boat trip. <laughs> yeah. They will come look for me. They will capsize an entire boat just to kill you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll do it. Yeah. We've done it before. Right. You don't know because no one knows. We built the Panama Canal. Yeah. What did you build? Of death. <laughs> we'll kill our own people just to do it. Notice how we still have Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> Keep noticing stuff. <laughs> You'll see. Um... Yeah, so that's it. We'll see you guys for World War One. Yeah, we'll see you soldiers. We love you soldiers. We love you, Amy. We love you, Chloe. Yeah, bye. Bye.